Brain Candy Podcast ladies in the house. Nasty women Nasty sitting here. Women sitting here. Still alive, surviving, but just barely. We are recording the uh, 83rd episode today of the Brain Candy Podcast and in a new America. We have a president-elect, Donald Trump. I can't believe it. As many of you know, we came out supporting her and we yes. got him. Yes. So Peg Meister is psyched. Oh out my of her gosh. Mind. Is she just freaking out? Well, she, I called her the day of when we all thought it was in the bag for Hillary and yeah. Peg was like, no, nope, he's not, going to win. Yeah. I have never doubted it for one second. I yeah. know that I will be celebrating tonight. She had taken to <gasps> knocking right. on doors uh-huh. and getting, Asking people to vote for Trump. Like, well, not see, that, official and it's volunteer. not even surprising that he won because that is what happened. You know, my husband talked about this. We should have been more active. We should have done more in, in trying to talk to people, trying to campaign if we believed in what she was saying so much. Mm. And Trump people did. Well, I think that people, though, really hated her for some reason. Yeah. Why? that's unclear to me uh not i mean the emails people squawk about a lot but i don't know like there's been a long history of real hatred towards her but you know she couldn't get rid of her vagina which was a real uh, liability (laughs) before we get to wine time though sarah i wanted to um tell you about how i found this thing because we have a lot of um parents that listen yeah and i'm just spreading the news because i found this app called homey h-o-m-e-y and it obviously it's an app so it goes on my smartphone and i get to assign lincoln chores this is great (laughs) he already is using the phone might as well put it to good use yeah a reward system it's like yeah you can assign rewards and like i can add adam onto it as well and like i say hey make the freaking bed you loser uh it's really cool though because lincoln can looks you add forward notes to... like you loser <laughs> that's real funny lincoln looks forward to like the 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 notifications like mm, oh mm-hmm. oh i have a job he's like a labrador he wants jobs you know that's great kids enjoy that capitalize on yeah, that so i just wanted to tell people to download what is it that. again what's it called homie h-o-m-e-y oh, i want this yeah, it's super cute and it's really um, easy to do, and you can sync phones and things like that. So I added Adam to it. My son, of course, is four, so he doesn't have a phone, but he just borrows mine and he oh, totally looker. gets into it. Yeah. Anyway, I just want to share that with all you mommies and dads out there, or if you want to assign Landon a chore, I'm going to. Right? <laughs> Can we do it from your phone and then just send it to him? That would be great. <laughs> Right. I'll add Landon to my chores. Yeah. I'll be like, hey, look, we need all the help we can get over here. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, moving right along. Wine time. Let's do this. <gasps> Open up a bottle. Open, Open up, up your, your heart. heart. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> all right. Uh, so. What are we drinking? Oh, my gosh. I'm bringing you a fantastic wine today. This is cherry pie, Hello. cherry tart Pinot Noir. So cherry pie is... Uh, your fancy schmancy bottle of wine that, you know, we would love to all be able to get, you know, yeah. every night of the week, but I don't have 60 bucks, 50 bucks laying around. So the people at Cherry Pie Wines came out with a fantastic alternative that is pocketbook friendly, and they have Cherry Tart Pinot Noir, and I'll tell you, it is one of my favorites. And in fact, 
sometimes I can't really tell the difference because I'm not a fancy schmancy wine person. <laughs> really? Like that. I just want to. So you something. think it tastes the well, same? Well, it's one of those, like, the like unless you remember when my husband was on here, unless you are somebody who really knows wines, the difference between a really good $20 bottle and a $50 bottle is not that it's like a 5% difference, mm-hmm. but a difference between a $10 bottle and a $15 bottle can be a difference of like 50% or twice as good, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I love, I absolutely love the cherry tart so much. And it's got like the raspberry and nutmeg and sandalwood. Let me and, be you know, the judge but like of that. blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Cheers. It's just delicious red wine and good with everything. Mm. I love our chain chain noises. <laughs> Cheers. That's delicious. Yeah. I think I've had this. You've brought this over yes. before. Yeah. And Super I soft. so enjoy it. You know what this goes great with? Mexican food. Really? Yeah, carnitas tacos are supposed to be one of the things That's that it goes cool. the best with. And as somebody from Cali, I eat a lot of Mexican food. So you can imagine how much cherry comes in handy. <laughs> Dark Pinot Noir I drink. <laughs> well, so I love it. Where can people get it? You can get it at Bevmo. You can get it at uh, your local wine stores. You can get it at, uh, you know, what are those other wine places that people go? Those uh, like What about like groceries? Total Wine. Yeah, some grocery stores yeah. will have it. Mm-hmm. And I always say, if your grocery store doesn't have it, ask the ask the grocery store to get it in. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how they get new products in. And they just, I've done that before. I yeah. had a local wine shop that I was like, hey, can you get some of this yeah. in? And they did. And, you know. And as soon as I started getting it, so did my friends and stuff. So yeah, they love right. that. So well, cheers to cherry pie! Yeah. Thank you for bringing this. Oh, I will enjoy it and keep enjoying it for the rest of yeah. the episode. So we're gonna have wine time. Open up a bottle and we're gonna open up our hearts. Um, everyone wants us to talk about the election today. Do you want to get into that now, or do you want to wait till the wine time's over? Uh, I well, you know, no, I will. Else. I will use this opportunity to. Um, I I think I maybe. I don't think you can open your heart too much, but I was so emotional <laughs> yesterday. My poor husband. I mean, uh, he was a surrogate for like my anger towards any white man who thought it would be a good idea to nominate somebody who openly talks about sexual abuse. Yeah. And how they're for. Uh, so I was, so I'll tell you the story, because uh, that's what we do in wine time. <laughs> I was bawling going through my Instagram feed and just thinking about my friends who are minorities, the LGBT community, uh, just uh, anybody, anybody who wears their religious symbols outwardly, which we all should be able to do and not fear doing. I was crying, not for me, because really, I mean, I'm a woman, so maybe things, things will change in that category, but I was crying for just everybody else who had such a who have fought so hard and now it feels like we've taken a giant step backwards and or maybe who feel alone and uh so I just started getting hysterical and I started talking and then you know I was talking about why Hillary Clinton should have been president and and how she's so qualified and my husband you know what he did Suze hmm what the least I, I, I there's I don't know if there's anything he could have done that I would have hated more he went Oh, and I'm doing a hand gesture of like lower the volume, like a shh, tone it down. And I was like, oh, 
You did not just shush me. Do not tell me to tone. Are you trying to silence me? Are you trying to? I, that really is silence what it me. I, I went off and I just went off the rails. I was like, this is not the time for you. And you know what? I should be hysterical. You're suppressed. I should get more hysterical. How about this? And I just went. There's you can a imagine. sure fire way to get me to not calm down. It's tell to tell me oh, to calm down. Men listening who probably have tuned out in the last 20 seconds. <laughs> Don't ever tell a woman to calm down. Don't, don't tell anybody to calm down. It's don't stupid. ask me if I'm on my period and don't tell me to calm down. Yeah. I'm definitely murdering you. <laughs> so Landon's lucky he survived. But then I, of course, I, I like offered him a Chipotle burrito and, and like wow, a piece of offering. Right. Olive yeah. branch. Yeah. But I, you know what? <laughs> just, I, I have to add this just because this is like how things happen. I offered him the burrito because I happened to have a buy one, get one 50% or get one free coupon at Chipotle. Okay. And so I went all, I asked him, I went all the way through the check line. He didn't answer me. I paid for my burrito. And then he says, oh yeah, pick me up one. So I didn't even get to use my buy one, get one You're free coupon. You're kidding me. So I had to go back through the line and then pay for it. And I was like, Ugh, I only offered because it was free. Ah. Uh. So. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Well, it is striking to me how <clears throat> we had eight years of our first black president, and then we elect someone who was endorsed by the KKK. Oh. Well, I had a, a you know, uh, I've spoken about her on this show before. Um, Shira, and I always pronounce her last name wrong. It's Tarrant, I think. And she was a, my professor of women's studies at Long Beach. And... Um, no, I totally forgot where I was going with this. What the heck did you say before? I was too, I was too busy. Uh, KKK. Oh, yes. Okay. And, um, nope, still got nothing. I totally forgot. Are you forgot. kidding my me brain, right now? My brain just gave, I just, Wait now I was thinking about it. It's like every, everything I knew, I, now there's nothing in my head. Nothing. I blame Trump. <laughs> I, really. Maybe you are, like, too emotional. You no. can't talk about no. it. No, really? Suze. What? Because I'll tell What's people happening? out there. Are you having I, a stroke? I might be. No. <laughs> I was supposed to do one of the biggest research papers I've really ever had to do. Uh, and it was due yesterday. And the day after the election. And the day of the election was the day I was going to sit down and like really like finalize everything and like get the bulk of the work done. And um, yes, I know I should have finished long before that i yeah, hear what you're stupid. saying i know i know blah 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 but uh i mean i sat there and i stared at that blank computer and just i it was like all i could think about was the fate of the nation and then the next day all i could do was think about i mean i was doing the paper on autism spectrum disorder and that scene of trump giving the speech and making fun of somebody who's disabled kept playing through my head and I'm like I'm sitting here writing 
about the treatment possibility, the treatment plans for a child with autism spectrum disorder. And the nation just voted for a president. Like, how hard is that to tell a family that there's hope and that, that I, you know, we can find a way for your child to have a normal, fun- like, uh, high-functioning life where, you know, they're accepted and they fit in and they feel welcome. And we have the opposite of that sitting in the White House. Yeah, we're in trouble. That really, really, really scares me. Yeah. I was when it, on election night when it was setting in that this was our fate. I was with Adam, of course, and you know he was like, "It's okay," and I'm like, "Yeah, for you." Yeah, that's what I said to Light. I'm like, "Yeah, it's not okay." Yeah, you're a white straight man that makes good money, and you're fucking British, which yeah. is like, shut instantly up. add fifty IQ points no matter what. <laughs> We don't like, know why. He can't even vote, that guy. He's not even a citizen. Get him out of here, Trump. <laughs> Get him out. I hope he does deport you. What I should him? start using that Warner fight. I hope <laughs> Trump deports you, Adam. <laughs> That's it. I'm calling Trump. Unfortunately, or fortunately, really, Adam is illegal. Not illegal. Yeah. Uh, he is a permanent resident. But, I mean, I just feel like if you aren't a person who has anything at stake like you don't have a dog in the race then it does seem like what's the big deal everything's fine hey by the way did you see you're not really on facebook but our friend tori from road rules uh she was of miss virginia under the trump you know pageantry oh my god i totally forgot about that yeah why haven't we talked about this i don't know but she uh what did she say well she Post, so I went out to dinner with her during the primary season and she was talking about how she didn't like Trump and how she was voting for, I think maybe Marco Rubio. And so I didn't know where she, she stood. Right. And then right. she posted something on Facebook saying that she would rather vote for her dog than <laughs> vote for Trump, uh, vote for Clinton. Oh, oh, oh. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe Which... she's going to write in or do one of these third party <clears throat> idiot moves, you know, because that'd be better than voting for Trump. But then on the election day, she posted a picture of her with Trump and said, I am a woman. I am a millennial. Oh, God. I am educated. <sighs> I was Miss Virginia. I am. Yeah, how I do you feel Hispanic. about a black guy? I'm Hispanic. Okay. And I am voting for Trump, even though I'm all those things that people say I'm not supposed to vote for Trump. And. So, I, oh my god, I'm really nervous. Wait, why? I just, I don't know. I just think if this is the, I, I just, I just don't think that if I were raising kids, I would want them to look up to that man. And I don't want to elect anybody for president who I wouldn't want my child to look up to. Well, and somebody said, how are we supposed to raise a kid and tell them not to do things that yeah. our president's right. allowed to do? Right. That's not, that, what do we do? What do, what do you, how do you, I'm not a parent and I also am not a Trump supporter, but I really want, I don't know. I just am curious as to what, you know, the answer is to a parent who, how about a parent who has a child who has experienced whatever, mm-hmm. whether it's bullying or sexual abuse or I don't know. Yeah. And I've been that person who 
was told that you're a liar. I was that victim that was told you're lying. The thing is, I don't even think they care if he really did do it. They don't. They, oh, That's actually the scariest part. They don't care if he does those things. And it's so, you know, I remember when my I, my husband first learned about the statistics on sexual abuse and just how many individuals are affected. Mm-hmm. And he didn't believe me. And he, now he does. I mean, this wasn't just it, but you can really see that when you have a foundation built on I don't know victim blaming and Mm -hmm. that excuses and promotes this kind of behavior Mm -hmm. through and it's backed up in our like social media and just everywhere Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's even backed up uh, my uh, participation on a reality show backs up that kind of What do you culture. think about the fact that he's a reality I, star? That I was I was joking about it in my class the night of the election. I was like, "Listen, we should not elect a reality star and trust me, I know." Like obviously there's far more we have far more things different than we have alike. But I know that somebody who lives who have spent a lot of their time in front of the camera and somebody who's captivating in front of a camera can knows how to up the ante and how to do things to get a rise out of people that will get views and there's a big difference between doing things you know i know okay i can only relate this to my own experience and i remember when i went on the uh the uh bat, what was it fresh meat season I was like a different version of myself. I was wild and crazy and I did what I thought would get, you know, the most views and would get me invited back. And you know what? It did. And I got in, I got because of wild behavior, I got invited back. I got, um, you know, more gigs were at bars and things like that, but I did not feel like myself. It was absolutely an act and I had to go, Oh God, I don't like that. But thank God I went, oh, God, I don't like that, and and was able to, like, check myself. Because I think there are other people who feed off of that and then like that response and then just do it more and will maybe even not necessarily change who they are, but will exaggerate sides of themselves that are more extreme in order to get a reaction and get a rise. and. Um, yeah, so that's... Well, do you think, like, we're just a reality TV nation? Yeah. What do you think? We must be. hmm We prefer that. I want to... And this is a good time to read this because it kind of talks about this, but if you don't mind giving me a minute or two, yeah. this... I want to read this... Well, I'll give you a okay. minute while I talk about BioClarity. Okay. Did you guys buy it yet? Well, I need a refill. I know. I got to get you one. I'm down... I'm, like, scraping the bottom of the barrel here, Suze. <laughs> All right, I'll hook you up. Well, know you know people. what's funny is you know what I have a ton of? What? The treatment, like the spot treatment, yeah. because I barely need it anymore. Wow. I don't, it's like, I don't, I, it's like one I barely even use because there's no zits to That's exciting. BioClarity is a three-step acne wash that I am obsessed with because I struggled for years and years with really bad skin. And um, this is a 
really cool uh, option if you're someone especially who cares about natural stuff and um, you know ingredients that aren't abrasive. If you go to bioclarity.com, you can get your first month for $9.95 plus free shipping if you enter code BRAINCANDY. So do that and tell me if you love it as much as I do. You will. Did you uh, find your Yes. All right. So uh, as I maybe I've mentioned on here before, I'm a big fan of Parks and Recreation. We love anything that uh, Amy Poehler has, you know, her name on. And so the writers of uh, Parks and Recreation, if you are familiar with the show, it follows local politics. And uh, uh, one of the characters, Leslie Nope, played by Amy Poehler, is a very passionate uh, political figure in her uh, hometown. So I'll read this. <laughs> That's a letter from her. So first it says, the following is a letter from Leslie Nope, who works for the U.S. Department of the Interior Midwest Branch in her hometown of Pawnee, Indiana. She believes that optimism defeats pessimism. And if you have the means, you kindly make it that. And she asks if you have the means that you kindly make a donation to the ACLU, the International Rescue Committee or the charity of your choice to help the country and those most in need. So here is her letter. Dear America, amidst the confusion and despair and disbelief, it was suggested to me by a very close friend of mine, I won't say her name to protect her identity, and it was Anne, uh, that <laughs> perhaps a few people would enjoy hearing my thoughts on this election. So I sat down at my computer, cleared my head, and opened a document. Then I started crying. So I had some hot chocolate, and my close friend, Anne, rubbed my back for a while, and I got myself together and sat down and started crying. Then more Anne comforted me and more hot chocolate and back and forth like this for about six hours or so. And the chain of hot chocolate and back rubs only interrupted briefly when I had to run to the store for more hot chocolate packets. Just give me all of them. Give me all the boxes. I remember saying through the tears and a very scared stockroom boy. And now I'm ready to go. When I was in the fourth grade, my teacher, Mrs. Klopner, taught us a social studies lesson. The 17 students in her class were introduced to fictional candidates, a smart, if slightly bookish-looking cartoon tortoise named Greenie and a cool-looking jaguar named Speedy. Rick DeSello read a speech from Speedy in which he promised that if the election, if elected, he would end school early, have extra recess, and provide endless lunches of chocolate and pizza. When, then I read a speech from Greenie who promised to slow to go slow and steady, think about the promises of our school, and try your best to solve them in a way that would benefit the most people. Then Mrs. Klobner had us vote on who should be class president. I think you know where we're going with this. Except you don't. Because before we voted, Greg, Larkies, Greg Larksky asked if he could nominate a third candidate. And Mrs. Klopner said, sure, the essence of democracy is that everyone, and Greg cut her off and said, I nominate T-Rex named Dr. Farts, who wears sunglasses, plays a saxophone, and his plan is to fart as much as possible and eat all the teachers. And everyone laughed. And before Mrs. Klopner could blink, Dr. Farts, the T-Rex, had been elected president of Pawnee Elementary School in the 1984 Reagan-esque landslide with my one vote for Greeny the Tortoise playing the role of Minnesota. After the class, I was inconsolable. Once all the other kids left, Miss Klopner came over and put her arm around me. She told me that I had done a great job advocating for Greeny the Tortoise. Through tears, I remember saying, how good exactly? And she said, very good. And I said, good enough too. And she sighed and went to her desk and got one of the silver stars she gave out to kids who did a good job on something. And as I tearfully added it to my star, silver star diary, she asked me what upset me the most. Greeny was a better candidate, I said. Greeny should have won. She nodded. I suppose that was the point of the lesson, I said. Oh, no, she said. The point of the lesson is people are unpredictable and democracy is insane. Winston Churchill once said, democracy 
is the worst form of government, except all those other forms that they have tried. That is perhaps, oh no, I'm getting a call, decline, hang on. <laughs> uh, the point is people make their own decisions on balance, better than on autocratic making decisions for them. It's just that sometimes those decisions are bad or self-defeating or maddening. And at a day when you get dressed up in your best victory pantsuit and spend an ungodly amount of money decorating your house with American flags and custom-made cardboard cutouts of suffragettes and anticipation of a glass ceiling shattering historical milestone, milestone ends when with you getting metaphorically eaten by a giant farting T-Rex. Like most people, I deal with the tragedy by processing the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bartering, depression, and acceptance. My denial over the election result was intense. My anger was, in Ron's words, significant. My bargaining was short but creative. I offered my soul and the souls of all my friends in exchange for 6,000 more votes in Milwaukee to any demon that cared to accept. My depression I have already mentioned, which br then... My depression I have already mentioned, which brings us to acceptance. And here's what I stand on that. No, I do not accept it. I acknowledge that Donald Trump is our president. I understand intellectually that he won the election, but I do not accept that our country has descended into hatred, swirled slot pile that he lives in. I reject it in the hand of a nation. Uh, I reject out of hand the notion that we have thrown up our hands and succumbed to racism, xenophobia, misogyny, and crypto-fascism. I do not accept that. I reject that. I fight that today and tomorrow and every day until the next election. I reject the fight of that story. I work hard and I form ideas and I meet and I talk to other people who feel like, uh, who feel like me and who sit down and drink hot chocolate, I have plenty, and we plan. We plan like mofos. We figure out how to fight back and we do good in this infuriating world that constantly wants to bend towards the back, towards the bad, and we will kind up to each other and support, be supportive of each other's ideas and we will literally do anything but accept our fate. He is the president, but sadly is not the future. You are the future. Your strength is a million times his. Your power is a billion times his. We will acknowledge this result, but we will not accept it. We will overcome it, and we will defeat it. Now go find your team and go get to work. Love, Leslie. Wow. Love it. And Love you know it. what? I started reading it, and I thought the same thing about the jaguar versus the, the tortoise. I was like, oh, we picked the jaguar. And then it was like, no, that's exactly what happened. The, that, the kid in class stood up and was like, hey. Let's eject, let's, let's elect this insane T-Rex who just like does, says whatever the heck he wants. And we all giggle and we all laugh. And then they vote for him. Mm -hmm. It's the same reason the joke he got, like the joke vote sometimes wins. Mm -hmm. That, I really do think that's what happened. And I think, you know, she said it best. Like, I don't accept it, but I'm going to do everything in my power to be an ally to those who may be struggling. I mean, what else can we do? Well, that's a good question and kind of like where I think you and I both felt we needed to go with this because whining is not productive. No. And um, I, by the way, protesting is productive. Yes. I'm for that. I am too. But just like sitting around wallowing is not. Um, protesting is great. Yeah. There's nothing more American no than that. Nothing. And to all those people who say, what's the point? The point is that we're sending a message to other people and to other countries that Donald Trump, what Donald Trump says about people is not what all of America believes. Yeah. So we felt like we needed to approach the situation from a 
standpoint of productivity and solutions rather than just being angry or whatever, which we are that too. <laughs> um, so we invited our friends Marvin and Matthew on who have co-founded an organization called the Table Setters, who um, their mission is to establish and facilitate racial reconciliation in the, the United States where we so badly need it. And the way that they propose to do that is to have people like me and you sit down with people that have brown skin or wear uh, turbans or that speak other languages or whatever that make them different from us. And we just talk. And in so doing, people become human beings. Yes. And that shouldn't be such a revolutionary idea, but it is. Um, and so they want to inspire our listeners to seek out people that don't look like you and that don't, you know, maybe prefer the same sexual life mm -hmm. or, uh, who go to a different kind of place of worship mm -hmm. and just talk to them. I'll tell you, I did an immersion project for the Sikh culture in one of my multicultural classes and I thought I was open-minded and everything, but there was still a level of uncomfortability when I went to the temple and their place of worship. Mosque, temple, I'm still not sure. Uh, but after I went four or five times, I realized they're just like, like this is, they're just people. Mm -hmm. What the heck is the big deal? And that all of that went away. That feeling of uncomfortability, that feeling of... It goes away, but it only goes away by immersing yourself or talking to somebody who's different than you. And I really love that the table setters are doing this and are bringing together people who are different to learn that you have, you're more alike than you know. Yeah. And there, I think their approach is so honest and it's like allowing people to sit down and say anything and ask anything. Judgment free. Questions are so important and we're often so scared. We're going to yeah. offend each other. And that's one thing I actually agree with about some of the Trump supporters is this feeling that they can't say stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying racial slurs or things like that, but feeling like they can't even ask a question right. because someone might say it's politically incorrect. I get that. Yeah. So, cause I'm totally inappropriate all the time. <laughs> so I don't want to be politically correct. I want to be able to say what I want. Right. As long as it comes from a place of love and yes. And respect. And if you do have questions, just ask, I mean, it's that the, the best piece of advice I got was from uh, uh, watching Samantha B. And there was a, a African-American female reporter who was talking to white people who, and they were like, I don't know what, I don't know what to call black people. And she goes, you can ask us. I was like, Oh, I should just ask them. Yeah. What do you prefer? Do you prefer African-American or do you prefer black? And you know what they go? They go, Oh, uh, I prefer black, but you can use whatever. And that's it. End of conversation. That's really, they'll tell you. They'll go, oh, I can, you can use this. They'll tell you exactly what they want, what you want, they want you to say and what they say. And you'll feel, just ask. Well, think about yourself. Like if you think about sitting yeah. down and if some guy came up to me and was like, tell me what it's like for you when you are walking to your car. At oh, night. Tell me what it's like. I would like. love that. Wouldn't it be so great? Oh my God. I never thought of it like that. I would love that. You are totally right, Susie. Yeah. I would love that, so I want to do that. Everybody turn that convert turn that around. Ask yourself that question. How would Right? Oh, I I mean cuz so it smart. would be it would mean so much to me if a man was like, 
wait, what is that like? I even appreciate that when people ask questions about reality TV yeah. when they're like, wait, so where do the microphones go when you're sleeping? I think that's a great question. <laughs> I like when people are thoughtful. Mm -hmm. So show us an interest rather than just you coming from a place of prejudgment. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, I love just like we were talking about that Bessie Coleman thing with Vice News, how they pepper in the, the, and they were doing the same thing on the Black Lives Matter, just educating people. And the guy on the news report goes, there, now you know. And if you're going to be a racist, at least you could be an informed racist. Right. And that's the truth. If you're yeah. going to have an opinion, you just have to be informed. I'm yeah. not saying you're not allowed to have an opinion, but you're not allowed to have an opinion if you refuse to listen to any of the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. And just I love what that. it's like to walk in somebody's <laughs> yeah. shoes. Well, at least you could be an informed racist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so or a sexist or whatever yeah, you are. At least you're an informed sexist. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yeah. So let's welcome them to the show, Matthew and Marvin from Table Setters. Yay! Thanks, you. We want to know what it is that you do, first of all, and then we'll kind of get into the nitty-gritty. Tell us about the Table Setters. Marvin, why don't you go? Okay. So I'm the black guy. I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> There, that, that marked it for everybody. <laughs> so what I think the table setters is uh, us, Matthew and I, demonstrating kind of a microcosm of what the problem in the country is, right? White and black issues. Of course, we know it's other cultures involved, but that's the predominant cultures that have this conflict. So what we do is model how we kind of integrate into each other's lives, how we have over the last eight years, and then... We try to get people at a table, as we say, that don't look like each other, that don't sound like each other, that don't talk like each other, that don't act or think like each other, and integrate them into the conversation through a workshop uh, called The Table Setters. That's my version. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, thanks, Marvin. Uh, one thing that we're sort of tongue-in-cheek, but it's, it's becoming something that makes sense, is that Marvin and I really believe that diversity training must move beyond Black History Month, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so, right? So we, uh, you know, it's like how many businesses or school districts or, or places you've been have like a, a Black History Day around Martin Luther King Day and be like, there, we just checked off our diversity quotient for the week of year, we're done. And what Marvin and I know is that it's, yeah, it's really about relationships and, and, and those don't do anything to, to create relationships. Those sometimes create resentment that there's um, that sometimes the people of color, people with browner skin than me, feel like they're put upon to kind of care about civil rights, whether they do or not. Um, and and then and then the people that look more like me are are uh, you know as an, as a European American European descent, um, you know, are are sort of like oh, we feel so <laughs> yeah pink guy. We feel so good about we feel so good about ourselves because we cared about the the plights of our non-white friends. And, and it's like Marvin and I have been friends for 14 years. And let me tell you, he drives me crazy at least once a day. I 
<laughs> I try. I try to go for the hour, but you know, there's, only, there's only so many hours in a day. You can drive a one white guy crazy. <laughs> well, don't push it. But anyway, no. Um, but like we know that it's a relationship, and so you you can't just do one offs. You have to actually nurture relationships. So what we are trying to do, and we and Marvin and I have a friendship that has been built over great great uh events in life over stuff with our families and stuff with the work that we were involved in before this but what we know is that you you have to nurture relationships now you can't do that in a workshop setting but what we try to do is break through some of those initial blockages Mm -hmm. to then in the softness that can be created and the trust that can be created really encourage the need for relationships to go from there and it's not a one-size-fits-all certain communities are further along than others but um, what we try to do is kind of kind of remove those blinders. So what does an average session or, or workshop look like? Or what is the whole setup of it for people who... It is, I'll give you a, a, one of our major kind of uh, not accomplishments, but victories was in a town called Marion, Illinois, uh, about six hours south of Chicago. Um, we had some previous relationships there. They brought us in to specifically set tables. And so we had folks from the community come in, some black, some white. They had already had previous conversations. Some native. Sacred, some native. They'd already had previous conversations that they called sacred conversations, but those are kind of going nowhere with no agenda. So we come in and we kind of walk through a little bit of a deck, if you will, or PowerPoint of topics that begin to scratch the surface and get them uh, understanding where we're coming from. Also modeling our relationship and mainly the uh, edginess of it, which of course is the microcosm of, of the whole country. And, and once that's set up and they understand it, like talking about... Um, Oh gosh, what is it? What's the lady, Matthew, the, that we use? The single story. The danger uh, of single story. The Ted uh, talks. Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Yeah. Right. So she has this Ted talk, danger of a single story. It's not that stereotypes aren't mm. true. That's mm. not the only thing. Mm-hmm. But the only, only, when you want to know something else about a person, of course, you got to break bread. Yes. And food is an integral part of the table setters. It is modeled off the Last Supper, communion, uh, uh, deep conversation about something that's going to happen uh, that Jesus had. But we have modeled that saying to uh, secular and non-secular that this is our platform. This is where we're coming from. This is the example we're showing. But we know there's people at the table that may or may not be faith-based. That's mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. because eventually we're going to get back to the point, which is communion, bread. Food brings a lot of people to the table mm-hmm. when somebody brings a plate and another person brings a plate. And eventually we get to turn the table and say, so, like myself, being a black person, I'll stand up and say, so ask me anything you ever wanted to ask a black person in the United States of America that you've been dying to ask. Hmm. And usually you- we'll get this stares. Yeah. yeah. It's just far off looks. And then I'll say, so here's here's here's... The question really, when's the next time you're going to have the opportunity that a black person says that to you Yeah. besides mm-hmm. today? Is it going to be in your elementary school? Is it going to be in your high school? Is it going to be in your college? Is it going to be in your, for, you know, your life after college? Probably not. 
take advantage of it. And we get an icebreaker. We get somebody brave enough, and then three hours later, we're still talking. <laughs> yeah. What is like? What is the thing people tend to open with? Like, what's their thing that you're dying to know? So oh, being, uh, being a black person, the question I ask, uh, sometimes it starts off very small, like, um, what's it, or they'll turn the table, what's it like being a black person? Yeah. Or how did you lose your hair? Did you ever have a jerry curl? That's fun. <laughs> the fascination fun. with hair is that. Yeah, yeah. The fascination with hair. Yeah. The one, a big one, a big one we talk a lot about is why, what's the, why do some people get to use the N word and some mm. don't? Um, that's oh, a yeah. big one. That's a big one. What do you guys uh, say to that? Yeah, I feel like it's. So for me, uh, <laughs> I look at it. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And, and it's kind of a, when we break the surface, it kind of gets to the nitty gritty of it or I'll bring it up. I'll yeah. say for me being 58, Obviously, the N-word was, mm -hmm. you know, out of bounds, mm -hmm. not allowed to say, etc. Yeah. But if we're really going to talk about it, obviously hip-hop, which I'm intricately involved with because I've done over 600 music videos as a music video producer or film producer, like, obviously that word's been bantered around mm -hmm. and changed mm -hmm. to N-I-G-G-E-R to N-I-G-G-A. Uh, there's been many rap artists, including Jay-Z, that said... I'm flipping the word so it has no power against us. Mm -hmm. And we created the word that gives us power to use. Uh, and then I also say, because white people, especially men, are like, oh, so I can use a word? I'm like, no, no. don't don't it. <laughs> no. I don't want to get I don't want to get your beat up when you're in a situation where it's not so academic as this one. Yeah. And nor do I want the word directed at me. If you just want to say the word, I'm not really probably going to trip that much. Well, in, in some ways, I don't, do you all remember, um, what was her name? I can't think of the singer right off the top of my head, but she had a song called uh, the, the B Word, right? Yeah, uh, Meredith Brooks. Oh, there, yeah, Meredith yeah, Brooks. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like she was saying, like, we can call each other that, if it, we as women, but yeah. as soon as you start using it, it's a different context. So, yeah. so it's about context, right? Mm -hmm. Why do you want to use it? Are you using it to short... Are you using it to try to short circuit a relationship with people that are different than you and act cooler than you already... Mm -hmm. Than you are yet? Are you mm -hmm. trying to actually go around having to deal with the hard stuff of being... Of why that word has had such a history? Or are you just trying to jump to... We're friends, right? We're kumbaya already, right? Yeah. Um, so... And so... To, to answer your question too uh, about like what a table setting is, from my point of view, we um, like Marvin said, we uh, we come at this from from the perspective of, of being Christian and Jesus followers. But um, you know, one of the texts that we use a lot is the the text of the Samaritan, and our and our good friend uh, um, Pastor Dwight Rad Radcliffe in Torrance uh, points out that it's not really called the Good Samaritan. Jesus never calls him the Good Samaritan, but we kind of use that term. Mm. And uh, it's it in itself tells you a little bit about what that means. It's like we have to put that qualifier on because Samaria, mm -hmm. like Samaria was a place that the Jews at that time in history were like, we do not go there. We do not cross those tracks, right? That's Compton. And, and that's Compton. <laughs> okay. Right. For real. It's the woman at the well. Yeah. 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 And so what, mm. so Marvin, and, and, but, but like, what's interesting is that the Samaritan text, the, the idea of the good Samaritan 
we we all know what that means. That that's usually used in the last five minutes of any local news to like do the feel good story, right? Like, oh, and today, like, dude helped this woman across the street with her groceries. He didn't need to. He's a good Samaritan, like, right? The good the Samaritan text is so much richer than that. It's about it's about a dude from the other side of the tracks who you thought was like the the bane of society, the worst. And Jesus is telling that to these, you know, these religious elite people, like these lawyers, these these pastors. And he's he, they're asking him, like, how do we love our neighbor? And so his answer to how do you love your neighbor is to first recognize that your neighbor is not just the person right next to you. It's everyone is your neighbor, right? And And this, the hero in the story that he tells is like, if I were to be a wealthy Anglo, like Marvin said, my car breaks down, like that movie Grand Canyon from a few decades ago. My car breaks down in South Central, and a kid with a hooded, an African American kid with a hood on, who I think is going to mug me, is actually the person that helps get me back on the road or helps me helps me to safety. The person I least expected to help me, and that is kind of the centering place. So, what if Jesus wanted us to learn that? Then how can we take that into our modern context? Who are who are the Samaritans today? Are they I'm in Detroit now. Are they, they're Muslims. Like a lot of people are like those Muslims. Watch out for those Muslims, right? Mm-hmm. Well, well, could I imagine the fact that it was a lot of, a lot of mosques that were the first people to send free water to Flint, right? Those are the people that sent water to Flint first when their, their water was bad. It's like, yeah, we got to lift those stories up because the more that we divide each other and sort of say these are the enemies, the more we will become enemies. But the more we can see like, oh, wait a minute, something good can come from Samaria? Something good can come from Nazareth. Wow, right? Something good can come from Compton. Something Something good good can come from South Central. Something good can come from East L.A. Something good can come from the real world. (laughs) (laughs) Miracle. That's the real miracle. (laughs) That is so true. Well, you know what's interesting uh, in comparing the two is, you know, really I think what the real world tried to do in the beginning was – get everybody on the same level and put them in a house working together, eating food together to start asking those questions. I mean, it's all in the trailer, like find out what happens when you stop being polite and start being real and actually asking the questions. Like I feel like a lot of what you guys do is the difference between sympathy and empathy, like really not just saying, Oh, I feel bad for you because of this situation, but saying, well, what is that situation like for you? And explain it to me. And, you know, we really don't do a lot of that. You know, it's like we, we have so much more information about different cultures yet. It's kind of boxed us in and we've, we've put these walls around us and saying like, "Mm, Nope, I've learned everything I need to know on television. And I don't really want to ask anybody any questions and we need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, so if we're really you- honest. We haven't we haven't done this. At, clearly, the fruit of our labor is right now, four hundred mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. This is the fruit of the labor we've done to mm-hmm. solve this issue, which is zero. Zero. Yeah. The, the fruit in the is other bad. Direction. The fruit is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Okay, it's time to commit. Twenty twenty four is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. 
Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So one of the tricky things I think when I think about this issue is where the heck do two blonde white girls fit in to this story and how do we you know facilitate change or or act as allies without being weird awkward inappropriate etc yeah 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 well i'll take you to uh uh malcolm x movie Mm, i love it this is a true incident uh, Malcolm X was speaking at Harvard or an Ivy League school. He got he spoke at many Ivy League schools. He had no degrees at all, uh, but he was just asked him to speak. He was eloquent and obviously clever and his linguistically, etc. So a blonde white girl comes up to him and says, "Oh, Malcolm, I love what you stand for. I love what you're doing. With, you know, Negroes, 1960s Negroes. Yeah. Uh, I love this. I love that. And all his fruit of Islam, which is security force for Nation of Islam, is standing around him. And he listens intently. And she says, what can I do to help? And he says nothing and walks away. Mm. And he, is, he has quoted as regretting mm. that moment, mm-hmm. that opportunity. So what we're doing has nothing to do with who comes to the table in terms of we want everybody at the table and somebody that doesn't look like me or sound like me or talk like me. And if that's blonde, blue eyes, girl, white girl or girls, that's fine. So because that breaks the stereotype of, oh, you can't enter into the conversation because you wouldn't know the conversation, one. Uh, two, we, we need to spread, if you will, the gospel of that table. So we need as many people as we can to come that don't look like me or Matthew, that are Latino, that are Asian, that are Native American. So our mission is to set this table as many places as we can and create, lack of a better term, disciples, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, and use that medium to that advantage and create apps and everything else. So come one, come all, mm-hmm. if you will, really. So, and what, you know, something that I would say, Sarah and, um, and Susie, is that, so I, I worked for, Margaret and I really kind of started this through an organization called DOOR. We were doing, it's Discovering Opportunities for Outreach and Reflection. And we were doing it in LA and we were hosting mission trip groups. And, uh, you know, and these were, these were really well-meaning for the most part, really great, great groups, but they would have all these little, um, I guess what they're trying to call microaggressions where they'll say mm-hmm. things like, oh, you know, homeless people can be so, so ungrateful. And, and right? you're like, oh, cause that's their, that's their goal in life is to make you feel good about the macaroni you just served them. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like, and so I, so I, I'm obviously, I get really critical of that. But what we did was we started inviting people that had experienced homelessness or were currently homeless or had been in jail or had been, um, you know, in gang, gang life or, or had been in some sort of, uh, less than, you know, what, what, what a lot of people will say, what a lot of white people will say, not normal, right? Like there's that word normal that gets thrown around, which is the other N word to me, 
but I'm like, what is what does normal mean for you? Because it really matters when you're talking about, you know, I'm in Detroit now and people are saying this and they're like, oh, you should live in this neighborhood. There's like a lot of normal people there. I'm like, mm. what do you mean normal? Who are we talking about, right? I can't believe and, people say this to you. Oh, well, they'll say it to him. No, okay, so, oh, yeah. so here's the thing, right? So here's the thing, right? So I was in an organization door and I was um, – uh, we went from being mostly white to being mostly not white in our staff. And, and I had a lot of people with, you know, Latino friends and African-American friends who would say sometimes like, I'm just sick of having to explain racism to white people. Like I wish white people would do this more. Right. And I, from that, I kind of like took that to heart and thought through and I started this blog called dismantling whiteousness, which it was meant to be kind of tongue in cheek a little bit. But, like, the idea of, like, the Christian self-righteousness, right? They come in and they want to fix things. And there's really good there's good in that. But there's also a lot of damaging assumptions in that. Mm. And to me, it's not against white people. It's against the idealization, uh, the idealization, I would say, idealization of all white standards, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, just the other day, this happened to me as a high school kid. I saw this once and I didn't have the courage to say anything. And I lament that I didn't in this capacity either. These two white women were sitting at a coffee shop talking about, I think they were talking about one of them, they're all divorced. So that's one of the reasons I just decided to let it go. But in the middle of this, an African-American family rolled up. And this is in a pretty wealthy part of the Detroit area. And I was just having coffee right near them. And, and they roll up and um, this family, dad, mom, and a little baby boy, right? And these two women just get distracted and they're like, oh, he's so adorable. They're so, he's so cute. And, and how, you know, how old is he? And they're just chatting for like five minutes. And then when they roll away, the, fam- the, the black family rolls away, one of the women says to her friend, she's like, oh, they're so cute when they're babies, right? Oh. Right? Now, you would never hear them say that in front of that family, but I had the opportunity to hear that, right? And, um... And now they had a choice to get into it with them or not. And I chose not to because the one woman was really upset. But like, it's like being able to stand to those kinds of things because we can blame, we can blame police officing and all that stuff. And there's, there's a lot that needs to change. But if at heart, deep down, the people that feel like what, you know what she's saying. She's saying when they get older, they're scary, they're monsters, you know, wherever that goes. Mm. she's the one who calls the police and not to say that you shouldn't call the police if you feel threatened, but if you feel threatened just because then you need to check yourself. Mm -hmm. What do you feel when you leave a table setting? Do you feel hopeful or do Mm. you, (laughs) if you do, I need to go because I feel real pessimistic at the moment. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. No, there's a lot to be, uh, potentially pessimistic over yeah. uh, not only just the election, but what's going on. Yeah, uh, There's a lot to be pessimistic over, but I, I, first of all, it's kind of, it's, it's a little bit not in my vocabulary. I'm being, I'm being gentle <laughs> because I'm a former athlete. I, I ran track and field for a long time at a very high level. And, and for former athletes, those kind of words you, you're, it's, it's, it can't be in your mentality mm-hmm. or you can't push through things. And of course, that mentality are for musicians and artists, etc. Some of us are a little bit elitist. I will admit that. But I am optimistic before I met Matthew about race relations. I'm optimistic mm-hmm. after I met Matthew. I'm, I was really optimistic after I met Matthew. 
and after we formed the table sitters, I'm beyond optimistic mm -hmm. that this can work. Now, it's not a fix. It's the beginning of discussions that should have happened the minute, honestly, that Emancipation Proclamation happened. But yeah. we know that didn't happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is not a fix. This is the beginning of many conversations that should spread like Facebook likes, like mm -hmm. you click on friends that you just met today and you're going to be Facebook friends and you have the opportunity to reach out to them or not. But the potential is there. You know, that that's that's what how optimistic I am. And Susie and sir, I, let me just say this. I'm so glad you asked that. I just got um, I, I just had a very conservative family member on Facebook talk about what what a guilt trip I'm doing with this dismantling righteousness piece that I'm doing sort of on my own on the side. Um, but it's related. And I'm like, it, I don't do it out of guilt. I do it out of hope. Like, my whole thing yes. is, so, so I was a teacher in Teach for America in New Orleans. And I, I was a teacher. In, I started in 1999. And, um, and people were, I was going to be in the upper ninth ward. And people were asking me in June of 1999, like, are you scared? Are you going to go uh, like and wear a bulletproof vest? And I looked at them like incredulously. Jeez. I'm like, I'm like, really? Because I know of a place called Columbine High School, mm -hmm. right? Two months ago, people came in with semi-automatic weapons and shot that whole school up. And and I'm not and and what what I and I don't say that to say so white people are the problem. What I'm saying is that there's been a lie that's been told to us, and that lie is that certain people are 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 more important than others and more valuable. And I'm 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 totally misquoting a, a father, Gregory Boyle, who started Homeboy Industries with, with the community he was with, uh, Latino moms. But that when that lie exists, right, then, then we start having this dominant narratives and we start having these, you know, these things that um, certain people are more valuable. And I remember Littleton, Colorado, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. It was, it was, it was deemed as like heaven on earth. It was like, this is like this little white, mountain community i mean they wouldn't call it white but that's what it is it still is like 93 percent white i think last time i checked but yet i know that people struggle with so much depression there mm -hmm. now, now what is that now so much depression that you know it became it went on the map for being this place that kind of kicked off this whole this whole thing we've seen for 20 some years of like get your name on the news shoot up a town shoot up a, and so what i the hope i come from is that when you idolize the wrong thing, and I think the idolization of European ideals, mm -hmm. they, they ultimately don't get you where, they don't get you the full way, because I think that we are created in a way that was meant to embrace diversity. I mean, I look at, there isn't just one kind of dog, there isn't just one kind of butterfly, there isn't just one kind of tree. Like This is a world that is beautiful by all of its differences. And what I, I literally can tell you that that being loved on in communities of color in New Orleans, being loved on by, by Latino families in, in L.A. has literally saved my life because uh, there's some mental health issues in my family and I struggle with them. And it was, it was black people in New Orleans who would serve me gumbo and say, would you just stop taking things so seriously? Right? <laughs> and I say, that, I say that in a funny way, but it, it really meant mm -hmm. something, right? Like, it's like I could relax I could learn from others' perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw my, when Darcy and I, my wife and I went through losing our house, right? I mean, 
in LA after the housing market crashed, when we went through that, there was a piece of me that was like, I am an utter failure. Mm. And, and yet I knew that wasn't the case. I knew that there was so much more and other people have been through harder things. Other people have been through similar things. But if I just looked at uh, some of the folks that I grew up with who were, you know, had like their second house and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might be, I might be going after the wrong ideals and some things, some things happen at a table that just can't happen. Um, you, you don't get to know people uh, just through Facebook and through staying in bubbles. You get to know people in perspectives, and they can be really life-giving. So I write this. I mean, I get choked up about this. I write this from a deep place of hope that you might actually um, be able to learn from another. And maybe maybe actually that saves you. It saves your sense of self and, and vice versa, that you can offer something to another. I think I think Marvin has learned a lot from me, whether he wants to admit it or not. Um, <laughs> and I've certainly learned a lot from him. Well, um, I taught a class um, on religion in America, and we uh, covered Lincoln's second inaugural address, where he talks about how both sides of the Civil War were using the Bible to defend their mm. side. Yeah. So if it's the people that were pro-slavery were using the Bible and the people that were anti-slavery were using the right. Bible. And he was trying to bring it back to this, the center. That's why I named my son Lincoln actually. Mm. And so yeah. I really feel like there's something to what you guys are doing and it's speaking to that same thing from, uh, the 1800s where Lincoln was like, dude, <laughs> what are you doing? And I still feel like that's happening now. And I think what you're doing is so important. So I want people to be able to see what you're doing, find you online, etc., and and have you come in, whether they're an organization or a church or whatever, and help you guys can help them set the table. So tell them where they can find you, man. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Mark. So on Facebook, you can go to the search mechanism in Facebook and put the table setters will be the first up uh, on Twitter. Same thing. The table setters website soon to be announced, uh, mm -hmm. but we're getting a lot of traction on Facebook and, and Twitter. Um, no Instagram yet. And uh, you can also reach me. What is it, Matthew? Is it Marvin at the table setters? <laughs> We're like this too. Find out. <laughs> Susie, keep track of Yeah, see, life. wait, wait, wait. This is the white guy nervous laugh that I don't know. Watch. <laughs> Watch what happens. Well, it don't matter. Well, it don't I'm, matter. But that was the white guy nervous laugh. Marvin at gmail.com. It's perfect because there it is, right? He's right. Like it, the past, he was like, "Oh my God, we're on the podcast. We just messed up. This is gonna be bad. It's an bad. 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 Who cares? We'll put it up. No worries. Yeah. No judgment. No, it's good. Yeah, and so no, we're clearly starting up, and 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 we're um, but we're really encouraged, and we're getting all kinds of uh people wanting like. I, I, to make some ends meet here in Detroit, I'm, I'm driving Lyft, and oh my goodness, like every Lyft ride I'm giving is is a table setting. It's like amazing. I'm sure. Really cool. What yeah, a great example of how you can do it in you know daily life. Because that that's what I wanted to ask you. Like as my final thought, like yeah. if our audience, bunch of white people, presumably, is 
saying, you know what, I don't even have one person of color in my friends. You know, they all claim that they have a best friend that's black <laughs> or gay or whatever, but yeah, let's say they don't. What do you say to them that are like, how do I even find a friend who is not like me? What They've all created bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're there. You're not reaching out to them. Yeah. They're there. So you can't deny that. Yeah. Uh, they're at your work mm-hmm. or they're at your place of business that you go to, etc. So one of the ways is this really amazing thing <laughs> that you do. You can walk up and yeah. say, hi, I'm Mark. Oh, it's worked for years, right? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's shocking, I know, America, but you can do it. Classic. You can do it. Now, I will say, as an African-American, don't interrupt me, white guy. Hold on. <laughs> uh, I will say that you, you, sh- you may not get the exact response. It may not be kumbaya. Yeah. But the thing about setting a table is you have to come back again and again and again, and maybe you'll have a breakthrough. We're not sometimes, because of our backgrounds and our Star Trek force fields, the most... Uh, ingenuous people in terms of letting you in. But once you're in, you're ours, mm-hmm. and we will not let you go. But you, there are tests because our lives depend on those tests. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. About the ages. I have a request. So you have to come back again and again. Can our listeners go find you on social media and ask you anything they want? Yes. Anything. Yeah! Yeah. Please do. Yeah. N-word, rap music, we cover the LGBTQ, we cover the waterfront. So we, Marvin both is... Both of us, we all yeah. have job experiences. So you can find us through the Table Setters website on Facebook, but also I'm on Twitter at Matthew J. Schmitz, um, and and then Marvin is at Pule12, is that right? Yeah. Pule12. Pule12. And I'm M-A-T-T-H-E-W-J-S-C-H-M-I-T-T, no D. That gets spelled a lot wrong. But, yeah, yeah, that's a great place to keep up with us, ask us questions. That's great. Um, Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's actually kind of what we're living for is to have those questions. Because the other thing is that, you know, what I always say is what are you afraid to ask a person of another culture, not just not just not just an African-American person, mm-hmm. but what are you afraid to ask someone from another culture, but you're afraid that even if you ask it wrong, that'll be offensive, right? And, you know, like, how do you ask a person of Asian descent that you can't tell if they're Japanese, Korean, or Chinese? Like, how do you ask that? You just call them Asian, or you just call them, you just make a guess, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> like, right? Like, I, I was with two Chinese men this morning in a lift ride, and I was telling them about, about Jason Chu, and they're and behind me, I, did, I couldn't really tell, and Jason Chu's this awesome Chinese rapper, but, uh, but like, then they let on, they're like, yeah, 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 like, that's cool, we didn't know there was a Chinese rapper, and that's cool to know that one of ours is rapping, so then, it's like, but I was, I myself, this morning, was afraid to be like, so are you Korean, Japanese, mm. like, you know, these things... We're afraid to be labeled as racist. We're afraid to be labeled in any way. So instead of actually trying, we just don't. And then and we look more say, racist. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that most yeah. of us, I, just like I would say with, with, with dealing with homelessness in L.A., I think most people are not ignoring homeless folks, right? 
they, they've been told by some people, oh, don't give them money. They're just going to do it with this. Or only give them money. They're just going to do this. Or And as you're walking by that homeless person, you don't want to make eye contact with them because you're afraid that that will engage you before you're ready. You haven't decided. But by now you've walked right past them, right? So now you're, you're not like a cold, heartless person. You're just, you're just, you're just in a dilemma. And I think that, um, I think we're all in a dilemma with each other because the media tells us you're racist for doing that or, oh, you're not racist. And it just does this binary thing. Well, you're right, Sarah, like back in the day, the real world was really trying to see the mess of it all and see what would happen. And then it has become a different sort of animal. But at the, at the heart, it was like, let's see what happens when we actually mix this all up. And I think we have to have that courage to mix it up with each other and actually to make a mistake and own it and move on. And be forgiving of people who do make mistakes. And be forgiving of people who make mistakes. Kind of like when you go to another country and you're trying to speak the language and, you know, if they're like, oh, stupid American who doesn't know what you're talking about, you feel like you don't want to speak the language anymore or try. But if you have somebody who's like, yeah, that sounded great, but pronounce it this way. And stop saying it so loudly. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. Talk real slow. But no, totally. Most most of the time that I've been in in other countries, I am going there to meet someone or someone's being a liaison for me. And I am asking them questions about how to engage the culture. Like, don't assume because I've been to the continent of Africa five times. I don't know what the heck is going on because I don't. Because yeah. it's a bunch of countries. Mm-hmm. So in Mozambique, which my wife is from, uh, <laughs> I get told all the time what to do and how to act and when to speak and when to not speak. But she wants me to be able to culturally engage. She wants me to be able to take a taxi without her in it to speak Portuguese, to maybe speak Shangana a little bit just to get by. And people are like, hey, you speak Portuguese. I go, well, just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> but they're happy to uh-huh. hear a little. Uh-huh. I tried. Yeah. I tried. Yeah. I made an effort. Well, and by the way, in our culture and black culture, if we're not making fun of you about something stupid you did, then we don't like you. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> that is good to let's know. Just, let's just set the record straight. <laughs> we are a gregarious people who like to make fun of each other. Hello. Duh. So if you are our friend and we really like you, I like Matthew a lot. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's, it's, I it's love Matthew. He's amazing. But if you don't have that and you're wondering why the black guy don't like you or the black woman don't like you, probably because you're falling apart about it. Relax. Yeah. Chill out. Good to know. It's part of our initiation process. <laughs> All right. Well, we look forward to you guys making fun of us someday in person. And, yes. Um, and, you know, we'll get there. And I hope that our, our listeners will reach out to you and, and learn a little bit. And, and I hope that uh, we can attend a table setting sometime soon. Yeah. And if you if your listeners, uh, if you all if you're part of a church or a school and you uh, want to set up a time for Marvin and I to come visit you, um, you can do that through our website, too. Uh, you can click into contact now. We're still setting up very customizable things. So um, reach out to us, and we can set something up, and we can we can come come speak to your to your folks. All right, fellas. Thank you so much. EMT, anything. Love it. Okay. I'm so uh, happy with what you guys are doing, and uh, and keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank All you, right. guys. Bye. Bye. Well, that was informative. And inspiring. Yes. 
I love talking to uh, Matthew and Marvin of Table Setters, um, and we'll include links to that in our newsletter. If you don't, uh, if you haven't yet, please sign up for our newsletter at thebraincandypodcast.com. We're going to send uh, a newsletter out after every episode, which provides links to all the stuff we talk about, documentaries, articles, blah, blah, blah. All the um, goods. All the goods. And, um, yeah, thanks. Sarah. Thanks for listening, and God bless America. <laughs> God bless America. Sing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye guys.